0: Welcome to Career Catalyst, a podcast that was created to fill a void in the career advice and job search space. There are plenty of great sources for understanding how to handle job interviews or create resumes or how to network, but this is a podcast that tackles some of the bigger issues of what people actually do and what paths they have taken in their career journeys. The best way to learn about what you think you might want to do is to hear the stories of others, and that's what we're here to offer up. Today we're revisiting a great conversation we had with Meredith Smith, who is works as a consumer insights professional advisor. Um, she works with brands to really think about where consumers are going to be not just in the next couple of months, but three, four, five, six years out, and what their what their shopping habits will be, what their interests are, what some, some of the trends are, and helping companies really understand how to really think that far out in the future. She's got some great advice not only about what she does, but really about how she got to where she's at. So I'm really excited to revisit this. And once again, I've got Zach with me to kind of offer up some interesting perspectives as we kind of navigate, you know, kind of the, the ideas and the, and the insights that Meredith shares about our career. So welcome back, Zach.
1: Hey, thanks, Todd. Yeah, uh, this, is, this is definitely a fun conversation that, uh, to, to listen to That is the whole episode. And I believe this is episode one of season two. If you want to hear the whole the whole conversation as well, but definitely a good conversation that you two had.
0: Yep, yep, and I do encourage people to go back and listen to the whole conversation. But let's let's get into some of her uh, some of the highlights that we've pulled out from the conversation. Some of the things that she I think emphasized in her conversation, and and a lot of these 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 highlights are really what I would call more about her career journey. Um, you know, things that she learned. And one thing that I think is kind of it kind of shows up in almost all of these um these clips is is she talks about in the in the in the full interview she talks about the the idea of you know when you when you watch a sculpture work right like they start with like a chainsaw or like a big you know something that just starts hacking big chunks you know of the pieces of wood off or the ice off and then they start to kind of then they start to kind of slowly but surely kind of like get down to smaller tools and they they get down to like the sandpaper or the brushes. And, and, and she uses that analogy to talk about a career. Like early on, you're kind of chunking your way, you know, to kind of narrow into some of the things that you're interested in. But as you get through your career, you're going to start pulling out the brushes and the you know pieces of sandpaper to polish things up and kind of, you know, get more of the fine edges. And, And I think that's a great analogy. And I think you're going to hear that type of insight throughout the different, um, uh, highlights are the, the the kind of clips we're going to talk about here. The first clip, you know, she's she's really talking about early in her career, like right out of college. You know, some of those early choices, and what I what I really found interesting is, you know, kind of this mix in in what she's talking about around, you know, finding what you want to do, finding what you don't want to do. Um, you know, really understanding, you know, you know when you when you don't really know about a field or when you're in college, you kind of know the big jobs or you kind of know the obvious jobs. But for every, you know, obvious job, there could be hundreds of other jobs that you wouldn't you wouldn't ever know until you got into an organization. And and I think that's a really, you know, important thing because she kind of talks about that epiphany. Like she talks about talking to her managers and some of the senior people that were around her and in, in this example she's talking about being at Target. Um, and they kind of help her kind of find some of these early steps that she wants to take to kind of chunk out you know, the, 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 the stuff she doesn't want to do so she can start focusing on the stuff she wants to do. So I think that's a really kind of interesting kind of perspective and an insight for especially someone young in their career. But you pick up anything else from that,
1: Zach? Uh, the one thing I picked up on that I, I think she mentioned something along the lines of When she was in, I believe this was all at Target, and when she was in one department, I I, I guess is the right word here, and she was able to use something that she had learned working in another industry or another department that would help her in her current job and current iteration of whatever she was doing. Um, I think that's a great skill that people don't utilize well enough to be able to say, all the knowledge I've gained from previous life experiences, whether it be in a job, in a in a hobby, in an interest, it just in something I've read, um, just in, in like leisure time, can be used to help you down the road. Like you are always learning, you are always picking up knowledge, always picking up information. And the people that get, the people that can utilize that the best are more well equipped in whatever they're doing now when they can use their entire life experience. I think this is going to you know speaking to the uh, the, the sculpture metaphor. And that it's all, you know, you're, what do what you have in front of you, like if the sculptor is working on, like, say the head of, of a sculpture of someone, well, they're not just thinking about working on like the nose, they're working on the head and on the body as a whole. So you're thinking about the larger picture of your career and your, your life experience in general. And I think she does a good job of recognizing that everywhere she's been. Yeah,
0: I think it's, I think that's, that's a really great, you know, kind of thing that that you're talking about there is you're not just learning in the single job you're in. There's so many things that if you're open to that learning, you can really you know, h- harness that as you shape not just your career, but probably a, a lot of things in your life. So let's go and, and take a, let's, let's listen to the clip there.
2: If I feel that my job on any given Wednesday is not as creative as I thought it would be, well, why is that? Like, am I not making the most of this? Am I not seeing this for an, an interesting challenge? And so part of it was, kind of reflecting on what am I pushing back against? And that was more of kind of an individual and kind of chatting with friends. I mean, I was so lucky that there were about eight or nine folks who we all went to the University of Cincinnati and we all got hired in totally different design jobs across Target all at the same time. And so I did have a couple of compatriots who, some of whom are still in in fashion and industrial design as professionals to this day. So that was kind of one half. It was like a little bit solo and then I had some peers who were all kind of going through the same thing. And also, I mean, I had some really amazing and empathetic bosses at Target who had been working in the industry a really long time, who had been in New York and California, who'd worked in London and Paris. They'd just been all over the place. And they had just had a lot of life perspective. And so I I think that, you know, the first time that first corporate job as well is when you finally enter the phase of your life that involves feedback culture. And and when you start to receive feedback, sometimes it can be hard to do that. But I had some bosses who really helped me understand how to understand who I am versus how I'm perceived when when things aren't going the way I wanted them to go, people to give me amazing perspective on well if this particular thing isn't my path then what are the other options before me? You know I had you know amazing bosses who who wrote me recommendation letters to get into my master's years later like you know so having a bunch of seasoned people around me that we could where we could just kind of get away from the water cooler and have a glass of wine and and talk about what a creative career is it was invaluable. I had this you know I guess it's like a, you know a early career full of lots of epiphanies. But I, I genuinely, like, I, I found a way to be creatively fulfilled. I, I understood in that job how, how to bring my strengths and how to how to find the joy and excitement in it. But what I started to realize after about, I think, I think it was about two and a half years in, and I just realized because I had more chances to do a bit more, like, you know, consumer, more kind of third-party, like, desk research. I got more into kind of working with, um, the trend team there, um, but there were barriers where, you know, different teams couldn't necessarily work with the consumer insights and these kind of discovery teams. But I just kind of realized one day that I found the consumer and their culture and why they make decisions just more interesting than making stuff than going on a 12 hour flight to go argue about the price of a button. I mean, I'm happy someone's arguing. I love buttons. When I, when I have clothing with buttons on, I appreciate the size eight button, because I know the war that was fought in the background to have it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, but I just realized that the reason I loved design so much was not just solving the the problem or opportunity, but understanding why someone might want it, what's going on in the wider culture or the landscape that's changing their needs and desires. And what I was realizing was that I was kind of I was outgrowing the opportunities at Target to, to follow foresight and consumer insight because they just were structured. You know, there was a design team and there was a marketing insights team and a this team and a that team. And now I actually think I have great friends who still work there. And I think that's actually a lot more fluid now. But at that time, you know, I was genuinely <laughs> sad to go, but they just didn't have that thing on the menu that I wanted to spend more of my time doing.
0: All right. So I think building on this idea of, you know, shaping your career and that kind of sculpture analogy, you know, this next clip she's talking about, you know, really understanding like you're going to be good at things, right? Like, and you're going to find stuff that you you're good at, but you don't necessarily enjoy. And then you're going to find things that you you can enjoy and figuring out like, you know, as you go through your career, it's an, you know, this is another example. We've heard this actually from other, um, some of the other, many of the other guests, really, you know, you're going to find things that you don't want to do. Right. And that's an important thing. And, and, you know, I think in, in the career, uh, you know, kind of journey, and, and it's probably why so many of these guests have brought it up is you don't want to spend your time doing stuff that you're not going to enjoy. And that could be the activity, what your actual job is. It could also be do you really want to spend it at a company that you're not enjoying, the people that you're working with you're not enjoying, or a boss or, or, or kind of senior leadership, that you don't really feel like the values are aligned well. So I, I think that's one of the biggest things that I, you know, when I, when I hear her talk about, you know, some of these things that she was learning what she was good at, but then she was also learning the things that she didn't really enjoy, even though she might have been good at it. Um, but then she also gets into this thing at the end about this uncomfortableness, right? And, you know, there's certainly levels of uncomfortableness. I mean, you know, if, if it's uncomfortable for the wrong reasons, then yeah, you got to get out. But then there's a lot of things in our careers where you're, you're learning when you're uncomfortable, right? And she, she really stresses that point. And I think in the full interview, she, she talks about that in a few different scenarios. But I think that's one of the, the other key kind of points from this or key kind of insights from this next clip is, you know, when you're uncomfortable in a job that's probably a good sign sometimes because you're, you're learning. And if you're really kind of fighting to kind of build the skill and understand what, you know, the dynamics are, be it the actual kind of work that has to get done or understanding how the work is getting fit into a bigger puzzle. I think that, you know, is something, you know, I think throughout your career, if you can embrace it, you're going to find success. If you're going to, if you, if you shy away from it, you'll probably find that those are the moments that you may, you might've not necessarily been as successful in moving, you know, kind of moving forward in your, in your career journey. So I don't know. Do you have anything you want to add to that?
1: I think it's a, it's, it's a telling thing that a lot of the the guests that you've had on and especially the three that we've highlighted to this point have mentioned something about being able or what it is that you are, are understanding the, the concept of enjoying what you do, but also, Knowing what you're not good at, um, I, I think this is this is relevant here. That understanding the concept of, I guess, we're, I'm going to say it again for the third episode in a row: opportunity cost, and <laughs> knowing like, okay, what it by by being good at this and enjoying doing this, what am I recognizing that I'm bad at? It's it's a different way of looking at it for sure. But she, it's telling that everyone that we've had, everyone that we've done these highlight episodes for has recognized that or had that ability to know to be able to differentiate things. And, you know, for better or for worse, that is something that differentiates people that are, you know, successful and and well-informed of what it is they do. Um, But going back to the, the, the comfort thing, it it is an important caveat that there is good and bad discomfort. And, you know, if you're not comfortable because you're alienated in the workplace, yeah, that's not what we're talking about here. Um, But, if you're just uncomfortable in the way that like when you're growing as a kid and you've got, you know, those growing pains because your, your, your body is getting bigger, you know, think of it as your, your work experience is getting bigger. Your career is getting bigger and better. And it's the same kind of concept here. Like you need to have, have discomfort to be able to grow and to get better and, you know, grow intellectually.
0: Yep. Yeah. And I think not to, not to foreshadow too much, but I think in the, the, the clip after this one, There's something we'll talk about in terms of maybe an example of not great, uncomfortable. But I think that uncomfortableness is, you know, there's a quote that I've heard, you know, you you know, finding success sometimes means getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I think as you grow in a career, especially as you get into leadership positions, that I think becomes true more often than not. So let's go to the clip.
2: Sounds a bit silly, but sometimes you can be really good at something and not actually enjoy it that much. If you have to, if you have to do it a lot. And, and so, so part of it too, is figuring out like, well, what are the things where I don't actually want to spend my time? What, what's, what's the, what's the best use of my time that everybody benefits from that makes me like a nice, happy, creative, productive, fun, fun to be around person. And sometimes it is about kind of shedding away those things where you go, yeah, you know what, that's someone else might be better at that. <laughs> But you know, because I've, I've one of the things I've been doing recently is helping a big corporation create their foresight function within the business. You know, they build things for the future and they need to take a wider view of what that future is. And we just finished a big piece of, of work on the future of work and, and so on. And only because it's top of mind, I was reading some crazy stat from the World Economic Forum that says that 65% of today's like elementary school kids are going to work in a job that today does not yet exist, and so the idea that that people think there's one path, you throw it out and you follow the line until it gets there. I mean, it may have changed position by the time you get there. You know, yeah. whether it's whether it's about make mistakes or if it's about be in the in the pursuit of the ways in which you want to spend your time. It took me a really long time to figure out. You know, and and I guess sorry, I'm just like rambling, but when I was doing the dissertation thing in the masters, a a Herculean emotional experience. But, you know, one of the things that I realized, because I do some guest lecturing back at Central St. Martin's and do some kind of student mentoring and stuff. But one of the things I've realized is that when you're uncomfortable, it means that you're learning. And sometimes that, you know, it feels really counterintuitive. You're like, well, no, I should just be, you know, walking and talking and chewing gum and there should be no problems. It's like, well, sometimes when you feel some some friction it's because you're learning something new. like and that's that's good don't don't run away from that uncomfortability just because you think I, everything should be bliss because i'm an adult that is incorrect uh, <laughs> um, but also it's like th- those lessons are some of the most valuable ways that's the best kind of sandpaper you can get to sand down your sculpture
0: all right so you know, interesting building on this kind of uncomfortableness. And I think in the first clip kind of, you know, she talked about, you know, managers and some of the senior folks around her who kind of helped her, you know, think about what was going on and, you know, how she was doing and, and, and you know, really fine tuning some of the, some of the things she liked about her job, didn't like about her job. Now, this is a question, I mean, and I've asked, I mean, I asked the question, sometimes and it's interesting because it's it's not an easy question and, and a lot of people don't feel comfortable answering it just because it's you know there's there's certainly a, a, a kind of professionalism or you know code of conduct sometimes but it's a question about you know talk about your your best boss experience and your worst boss experience and um, you know she she's one of the few guests that when I've asked that question she she was very comfortable answering you know kind of both sides of the question right? good bosses and bad bosses and and, and you know just as, as as a way to set up the conversation or set up the kind of uh, answer to the clip here or the the answer to the question in this clip you know i, I think it's important for anyone in their career and I, you know again i think as you get older you you have a tendency to understand this a little bit better but you know the reality is most managers are probably average managers right There are certainly some great managers and great leaders out there. And unfortunately, just by the laws of averages, you know, there's probably also a lot of average and maybe some not so great um, managers. And she references, you know, I think, you know, how good managers or good bosses have really helped her. And then she also references how some of the maybe not so great experiences she's had with a boss or a leader has really been tough. Right. And I think the good news is on the on the good bosses, and she talks a lot about you know she felt like at Target she she had a lot of these um, uh, examples in these relationships, and it probably was a testament to the culture of Target, right? There was a there she said there was a there was a kind of empathetic kind of leadership where they they really she really felt that they cared about what her needs were and how she could be successful, uh, and helped her along. They were supportive. And I think that there's probably a mix of that, right? There's probably a culture at the company, which is good. Uh, You know, I think there's a tendency to help out younger people. Whereas I think as you get older, there's this attitude of like, you kind of have to figure it out yourself or you're not as open to finding those relationships. I I don't know. I found myself a little bit in both. I've had some great um, kind of bosses and, and people that have been very supportive all the way through my career. But I've also found, especially later in my career, you know, people that just aren't. And, you know, she makes a reference you know, to kind of consulting. But I think it's true of anyone, right? You, you have a tendency to find people that are really good at one particular thing are the ones that tend to get promoted up. And as they get promoted up, they're asked to be managers and they're asked to be leaders, but they're really not great leaders and they're really got not great managers. And, it, you know, that can unfortunately, I think, unfold to be very you know, hard for people that work under those individuals. And, you know, she, she, she doesn't say it in this clip, but she does say it. If you listen to the whole interview, she talks about this term gaslighting and, you know, that's a pretty negative kind of buzzwordy kind of term right now with, with, you know, in reference to bad, bad managers. But this is where I would say you get into that uncomfortable, not good, uncomfortable kind of situation. And I think she's got some good, you know, good thinking around, like, how do you, you know, how do you have to use the good managers, the good relationships that have helped you, find your way and build your confidence so that when you do get in a situation maybe with a not so great manager or not so great leader to make sure that they don't erode your confidence in what you can do and how you can do it and that's one of the biggest things i think out of this clip that i want anyone to kind of listen to and say yeah you know i think that's right there are some great people i can surround myself with and if i do find myself around someone who isn't the best leader or isn't the best boss i need to remove myself because it's not gonna be, it's not gonna end well for me if I'm gonna have my confidence kind of eroded over time because of the way this person operates. So, what else did you take away from that?
1: Uh, I think it's very telling that if you go back to two episodes ago to the Neely Taminga highlights episode, that she talked a lot about mentorship and a good boss will almost act as a mentor as well and help you get to where your goals are. And it's, it's very important to have, you know, frequent conversations or, or meetings or whatever they may look like that are, you know, career goal meetings or career oriented. And, you know, a a lot of these, a lot of the bosses will know that ultimately for you to grow, they have to either be in their current job or surpass their current job. And the good ones will recognize the ceiling that uh, of their current employees and help them, you know, help them get to where, you know, their full capability is their full potential. Yeah. Um, And the bad ones will try to tamper that down. And it's very important for you as a worker, you as an employee, to know when you're to know your potential and to know yourself and know your self worth and and how to maximize that. And know that if that's being, you know, hampered, you need to get out. You need to find something different and or do something different uh, because as long because i guarantee you that your your employer or your boss has recognized that mm-hmm. and is trying to prevent your growth to for self-preservation reasons most likely
0: yeah yeah and there's a there, i don't know if this is a quote you've heard before but uh, i love this quote it's from david foster wallace who he says a real leader is somebody who can help us overcome the limitations of our own individual laziness selfishness and weaknesses and fear and fear and get us to do better things than we can get ourselves to do on our own. Right. And I think that is that is almost a summary of, of this clip in itself, right? Like the good bosses and leaders in her her life have helped her get to new places. And unfortunately, she's been around other people who, you know, for whatever reasons, right? Self-preservation, um, ego, you know, their own lack of self-confidence have kind of restricted the careers of maybe some of the people you know around them or under them in their organizations so let's hear what 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 Meredith has to say about some of the experiences she's had with good and bad bosses in her career
2: whenever I, I reflect on a question like this I think about do I really want to know how people have viewed me when, I, when I've been a boss or when I've been you know like a project lead or, or, or things like that and I think I early in my career like definitely I would say target, was the was the the group of some of the most sort of empathetic and you know kind of understanding bosses who who helped me see a way forward to find to find the way to make lemonade out of lemons. if, if a, you know you're 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 putting up your designs in front of a design review in front of a bunch of very seasoned business people who say no. And you know what? they don't even have to give you a reason to be frank. You know some of my bosses really helped me understand, oh, this sounds so unsexy, but like stakeholder management. And and that it matters that actually, you know, spending different kinds of time with people helps create a better outcome. You know, so I had I just had people teach me some really fundamental things in a really empathetic way that I just think I just would be nowhere to you know nowhere along the path that I am today without them helping me see myself in a different light and see see a different kind of of potential in myself. And then you know from a um, from a bad boss perspective. I mean, I, I guess what I would say to that is that I've definitely worked in some environments that I would consider toxic that had a lot to do with management styles and, and, you know, personality types. And and I think a lot of this, you know, if you just want to call it the consulting industry, you know, the consulting industry is a service industry. Yeah, Like it, it is. And so, um, you know, the client doesn't need to know, whether or not you've missed a personal appointment to make their deadline. It, that, that currently is still not appropriate to say in, in quite a few kind of you know small and medium-sized agencies where you know I, I, th- I think there are so many, not necessarily just the ones I've worked for, but so many agencies out there design you know digital insight, you know, innovation and in, you know agencies, whatever you want to call them, where they have really amazing practitioners who had a great idea and so they started a business. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they are great at managing people, as an example. And so, you know, I've had I've had people who are driven, you know, driven toward the outcomes and and delivering the work, but not necessarily toward like the mental well-being of of their team. And it took me a long time to because I mean, I have to own I have I have plenty of like workaholic tendencies. But in some Mm -hmm. of the most like toxic, you know, there's a couple of toxic places I've worked where. I put up with it for too long. And and I would say it created, you know, some kind of like mental and intellectual setbacks in my career path. You know, I think the right kind of of toxic leadership can really make you doubt yourself in ways that are completely irrational.
0: All right. So, you know, again, building on this idea that like, you know, you kind of are finding your way, you know, her sculpture analogy with, you know, you've you've chunked off some big things and now you've gotten the brushes and sandpaper out and you're kind of fine tuning the whole, kind of body, um, not just the, you know, the ears and the eyes, but, you know, the whole rest of the body and making sure you kind of, you know, get to, you know, what you, what you ultimately want to get to, uh, in terms of what your, your, your sculpture is going to be, um, and, and getting the right people around you to help you there, uh, to get there. Um, you know, it's a question that I, this, you know, the question I'm asking her in this, this clip is something that I, I ask every one of the guests. And it, it's interesting because, for the most part, the answers can be very similar. Now, there's some variance on, you know, what, you know, the financial or economic gain is and how that factors in the success, even though I would say most people have answered it in such a way that's, you know, it's, you know, financial gain is sort of a less important thing the older they get. But they also recognize that, they're also trying to establish just security. And that's what she, you know, not to give away the clip too much, but she kind of recognizes that, but she recognizes it more as an outcome, not as a goal, you know? So if she's talking more, you know, I think in this, you know, how does she define success as she's gotten older? she, She really defines it, you know, in a way that says, uh, if i'm being successful it, it's meaning it's because i've built the reputation and i'm creating the value for people to do the things that i enjoy and and, and can do well that they're going to keep getting me to you know kind of giving me the opportunity to do and therefore if i do that and i do it well and i get paid for what you know i'm worth i'm now achieving the financial security that i want it's not i need to go make x amount of dollars it's i want to create value and By doing so, I've created financial security for myself. So I think that's a great insight. And I think that's important for a lot of people, you know, throughout their career, because I do think people get very hung up on how much money am I making? So what else did you pick up from that?
1: I think she touched on something very important that comes with the, that that really defines the difference between a job and a career. Um, And a job is something that, at least the way I see it and define it, is a way to, it strictly focuses on financial security and financial gain. You know, when you're 15, 16, you need gas money. You need, you know, money to be able to go to the movies with your friends, whatever it may be. And that's a job. That's not a career. Um, when you're in college, sometimes it's, you know, I need money to be able to buy food. That's that's a job. But when you're at, once, you know, once you start in a career, she, she mentioned something, and I don't want to spoil it, but I think it's very important to, to make note of that the first thing she said in response to how do you define success is not about finances or about money, but about wanting to feel useful and, or satisfied. And a lot of times in a job you don't, you know, if you're working at a fast food place just to make money, you probably don't feel very useful. You might feel accomplished that you're good at something and that, you know, you've got an income and a paycheck, but I don't know if satisfied or useful would apply to those. But if you're in a career, especially one that you enjoy and that you're good at going back a few clips, um, then you will feel useful and satisfied, and that's how you know that's that's telling that she used that first. Yeah.
0: No, I think that's that's exactly. I mean, I, it's exactly. what I would want to encourage anyone that I, I would ever talk to about a career journey is, do you feel satisfied in what you're doing? So I think that's that's a great insight. So let's let's listen to what Meredith has to say about success.
2: How do I view success today? I think I I want to feel satisfied first and foremost. And I would say that that's, I want to feel intellectually fulfilled, and I want to feel useful. I want the work that, that I do and that any team I'm on is useful and utilized. Uh, so when I'm doing good work, I feel successful. I feel mm. like I have flexed all of my muscles and, and used them to best effect. So so there's like the satisfaction, the day-to-day success. And then I think for me, at the more grand yeah. scheme, success is, is about I like the idea I, I like to be known for something. I like people to know what they're gonna get when they work with me. And so I think that there's kind of that not public persona, but but the reputation that precedes you that allows you to do the level of work you like to do, that that kind of puts puts you in on the on the track that, that you like to drive on. Yeah. And then, you know, financial security is part of it. I like I like to look in my savings account and know that if, if a second pandemic happened, yeah. we'd be okay. Like, fr- frankly, I, I, you know, I am accustomed to a certain level yeah. of comfort and my two very obese cats. No, I mean, they're just big boned, but they are also accustomed to a certain yeah. level of kibble every day. And, and I think that making, I am what I want to say. I'm actually quite bullish on salary uh, because <laughs> I work really hard. And so I, I kind of think, well, if I'm going to give you 40 to 60 hours of my week, like you got to make it worth it because I'm definitely going to make it worth it. And I'm not saying that to be boastful. I work yeah. really hard. I leave it all on the floor. So, so to me, yeah. the ability to make sure that myself and my family are not ever going to be in a panic, like it's, const- it's constantly on my mind and it's constantly important mm-hmm. when I make my career decisions.
0: All right. So kind of the kind of wrap up this edition of this, of season three, kind of uh, the, the season three um, launch here with with these highlight episodes, you know, I, I, this is probably, you know, of all the clips, this summarizes, I, I think, not just how a lot of people have found their career journeys or, or how their, their career stories have been written, but probably in a lot of ways, what was the motivation for me to even start the podcast was to really bring some, you know, in uh, you know, order to highlight the fact that, you know, most careers are non-linear, right? Like, and I think a lot of people, you know, and there's certainly careers and there's certainly people that want that very clean cut. Like I'm going to do A and then I'm going to go to B and I'm going to go C and I'm going to go D and then I'm going to, you know, whatever. But, you know, I think great careers and, and how Meredith talks about it too, in terms of how you you really build, um, on, you know, the, the growth and, and you know, you said this, I think about the the first clip too, right? Like always learning, right? Like finding the opportunities to always be learning. Um, you know, you don't necessarily get there if you're just in a, in a linear track. Like, you know, I, I had a professor in grad school that used to talk about like some of the best leaders were the ones that weren't necessarily experts in any one particular discipline, but they were the ones that actually had spent the most time and the most Kind of departments within the companies they wound up taking over, and I think that's that's true, right? Like I think too many times you see you know individuals rise up through a single kind of business unit or a single kind of channel, and then they get to the top, and they really don't have a great way of thinking about the whole business, and that that I think puts kind of downward pressure on, on a lot of individuals, and I think anyone who's thinking about a successful career who you know wants to either individually find that success or achieve some of the, you know, some of the kind of external successes of growing into kind of a leader within an organization, you know, really has to embrace this idea that like some of the best careers are, are the ones that are, are the least linear. So I love the, I love what she has to say about it. I love how she thinks about it. And I think the whole conversation, if you listen to it, you'll kind of pick that up about how she kind of managed her career, um, you know, through, you know, from target all the way to what she's doing now with this, um, kind of consumer future kind of insight and advising, uh, work that she does. What else did you take away from that? Zach?
1: Well, I don't again, I don't want to spoil, you know, her, her answers, answers, her responses. Uh, but she does talk about the sport of bouldering, yeah. um, and using it as, you know, you're not going to go in a straight line up, yeah. uh, especially to be successful. Uh, But I want to add on to that too. And a lot of times in bouldering, you have to go down a little bit to get back up sometimes. Um, It's not always just going to be up into the side or up into the left and up into the right. Sometimes you have to take maybe half step down and and reassess, like maybe that wasn't the best handhold for me to use. Maybe we try over here a little bit to the left or over here to the right and and try something a little bit different, a different approach. Um, So someone that can, you know, someone that can look at that and recognize you know, have the own or have the, the ability to look inside and say, maybe that wasn't the right move and a admit fault or admit mistakes, but also to reassess and, and re re plan and, and go again uh, is someone that's strong and someone that is going to you know, ultimately be successful. even if they do have to take a, you know, a step or two down to get back up.
0: Yep. Yep. Nope. I think that's, I think that's, that's great. And I think that, you know, this clip, Talks about that, but I also would encourage listening to the whole the whole episode and not to you know go back to the Neely conversation real quick. But she also talked about that, like the pushes and pulls in a, in a career. So certainly a something that is probably a little bit of a common theme with people that have found success in their career. So let's hear what not, uh, Meredith has to say about this kind of uh, this idea of kind of a non linear career.
2: If I popped out of that Delorean, I mean, first I'd have some hair advice. Um, <laughs> oh, some choices were made. Um, but I, I honestly, I think that the biggest bit of wisdom I wish I could impart to my younger self in that DeLorean is, is about not necessarily letting yourself kind of be ambitious just for the sake of it, because you think that the only way is up, you know, this, you know, we've talked about it a lot, but this, this frankly, for my life, my opinion, this kind of myth of the linear career as, as being the only way, I, I think I, I, I gave myself a lot of stress thinking about that. I I overthought things that just didn't matter. I put a lot of energy into trying to make the right choice Mm. rather than to making choices. And, you know, again, as a very unathletic person, I think about people who do bouldering, you know, you don't plan, you don't plan the whole climb. You, you look for one handhold and the next and maybe you think two or three ahead, but I wish I could tell myself that the journey is the point and that it, will have lots of different shapes and sizes and and flavors and experiences. And that's what you should be looking for is to have your experience be well-rounded rather than A to B and victory, because that's just not what it is. And that's not very fun either.
0: So again, I think I'm I'm enjoying these, these highlight episodes. You know, one, it's always great to go back and listen to some of the great insights from some of these guests. But two, you know, as we've done these three conversations you know, I've gone back and listened to these three conversations and pulled these highlights out. It's really interesting to kind of see these consistencies. And again, with that last clip about the nonlinear kind of career and, and how that has kind of created the um, ability to kind of learn and the ability to kind of round out her skills, um, you know, is very consistent with, you know, Rob talked about the fact that he had six career changes um, in the in the highlights we did last week, and then Neely talked about kind of the pushes and pulls, like all of these things are, are you know, so important. And and again, I, you know, I don't know, at least personally, when I look back at, you know, the 21, 22 year old self, like, I don't know if I really appreciated that, right? To your bouldering kind of um, analogy or her, you know, even her bouldering analogy, like, you just think you got to move up and you have to earn more money. And and as you get along in your career, I think the faster you learn that, no, it's not really a straight line. And frankly, if you're not, if you are moving through your career kind of with, a, you know, maybe a left step or a right step, maybe a little bit of a step backwards to go up and like you're, you're picking up a lot more information, you're learning a lot more. And, and I think that's, it's really the kind of summary of this whole discussion with Meredith is you know, be be a lifelong learner, be open to, you know, all the different ways that you can you can kind of pick up on different ways of thinking about things or doing things, finding the right people to kind of surround yourself with, like, who are the senior leaders, who are the managers that you can rely on, who are some of the people, like even early in her career that, you know, were in college with her and then wound up at Target with her that really helped her, you know, kind of in those, those very first days. So it, it's really about the people you surround yourself with, the people you work for, how you move through that career and embrace that non-linear linear Jersey so, journey. So yeah, I, I, I again, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I, I hope everyone who listens kind of enjoys it. And if you, you really enjoy it, go back. Uh, like we said, it was season two, episode one is the whole conversation. So once again, thanks for all your help, Zach. I appreciate your insights.
1: Yeah, i uh, looking forward to keep doing this. And uh, I believe we have one more of these highlight episodes and uh i think y'all are going to really enjoy what's coming down the pipe with uh, the rest of the uh the when we start, actually get launched into season three and give you guys some fresh content i think it's going to be really enjoyable really insightful and i'm looking forward to getting those recorded too
0: cool all right well thanks a lot zach have a great day